The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape for you to listen to for the kickoff, Season 4, Episode 1C. Yeah, that's a real thing. We broke our season opening show into three parts. A preview, rounds one through three-ish, and now rounds four through seven and an overall look at the NFL draft. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. You are listening to the kickoff on the W2M Network. Joining me as per usual, my co-host, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. You know, normally I would have something for this. But after reading all these things today about college football and examining my sanity and being called out on some of my YouTube video preferences, oh, I just want to get back to normal. <laughs> Does normal include cricket? Yes. If they did, if Comcast didn't steal away my channel... Wait, no, then I would be watching replays of the Indian Premier League. Never mind. (laughs) I know I've been living kind of towards Fox Soccer Plus lately. Lots of old school AFL games and lots of old school Premier League games. Can't complain. The co-host turned executive producer, Brandon Biscobing. Yeah, we're all learning how to live without sports right now. It's a very dull, dull world. Well, I mean, we have sports to discuss now, at least. Yeah, draft. That's it. In two weeks, we'll have NASCAR, apparently. Oh, no. Uh, e- even without sports, I will not stoop that low. <laughs> I gave up on NASCAR when Junior retired. And finally... All right, let me make sure I get this correct. <clears throat> You are now to refer to him as Your Highness, part owner of the W2M Network, Mr. Jason Teasley. I kind of like the host turned uh, silent uh, partner of the W2M Network, <laughs> but I You're mean, not silent. Oh, I said would be silent. No, I'm not silent. Anybody who knows me that knows I'm not silent. You three know I'm not going to be silent. Ain't that the damn truth? So, um, yeah. So, uh, I'm kind. Of, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. But hey, what's up? How you guys doing? <laughs> so apparently, we are potentially being looked at for a national syndication involvement. Uh, that is We're possible. That is possible. A a a small little um. I guess you could say venture since taking on my new role that I've I've uh, been able to secure the W2M network, especially here on the kickoff and possibly Black Irish. But I don't think they want to pick up Black Irish <laughs> after they hear after they hear the um, once we get the inaugural episode recorded. I don't think that that's going to be uh, too safe. But yeah, uh, kickoff is going to be a um, possibly entering a partnership soon. We won't go into specifics now as to not jinx anything, but if we do so, you guys will be the first to hear about it next week here on the show. All right. Yes, Eric. Go ahead. Chime in. I was just going to say, yeah, especially 
strictly based upon the timing of that first episode, you really don't want to have it picked up. 55 million viewers over the three nights of the draft. Holy crap. Is that a record? Yes. I mean, I, 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 I would have to think so. I mean, it's not really yeah, all that surprising be. considering there wasn't really anything else, you know, sports-wise, literally nothing else to watch. So, but still great numbers. Uh, I think, honestly, I think it exceeded everyone's expectations uh, doing doing the draft the way they did. Uh, a lot of people thought that there was going to be a lot of glitches, um, a lot of hang-ups. We didn't see too many. Um, and, you know, I think the fact that everybody was so... so um, yearning for a um, some kind of sports out uh, outlet that you know that that's what led to the success of this year's draft well did you guys read that <laughs> article um at ESPN posted it I think earlier this week about how GMs were talking about some of the glitches that we may not have seen or things that they were worried about and and what went into getting it done as smoothly as they did? I would have to think that with everything that went involved there with all the different camera setups and everything, I'm sure there was stuff that happened off air that Mm. we didn't catch. I mean, there were some live production issues as well. When you look back at like a couple of different times, you heard the countdown for Goodell. And then a couple of other times, uh, Trey Wingo went to go to his other analysts on the ESPN broadcast and they were either not ready or their microphone wasn't picking up the mm. fact that Wingo was addressing them. Yeah. So there were little things here and there, but all things considered, given the nature of the draft, I think it came off about as efficiently as possible. And and I think and they mentioned in the article how having to do trades required extra work or extra pieces going into place. And that's why and I at least I'm assuming that's why we didn't get nearly as many trades as we do normally. And then another thing, the the funny thing that was mentioned on it was uh, the Bengals GM, you know, a lot of people were making fun of how bland and basic his uh, setup was. He actually ordered a fancy desk to replace that bland brown one, but it didn't arrive in time. So he was going to have this this swagged out setup but he didn't have the opportunity to do it I'd say all things considered for Cincinnati though they did pretty well I mean you got a potential franchise quarterback and a man who could be a franchise wide receiver at least somebody that could help soften the blow once AJ Green's time does come not sure if you want to mention you know talk about this tonight or wait until you know the next episode but now there's another quarterback in in the free agent market that, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he ends up anywhere. Hey, Eric, I hear you guys need one. <laughs> you no, got two decent ones uh in the uh in the free agent market. Well, I don't know that anybody's going to want to sign Cam Newton, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and it, oh, and I want to take 
Knowing my team, Watts, that's exactly who we signed. I could totally Just see to that. give that extra little Florida touch. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I uh, kind of... Uh, um, I will. I will go on record to say that I did lose my bet, and I will be purchasing um, Sean a Dak jersey, only because I think it's because his brother died that he didn't get traded. But that's beside the point. Oh, boo! Um, I think I think Jerry Jerry had a soft spot. You know, couldn't kick a man while he was down. But honestly, I think I think there's a chance that Cam ends up in New England. I, I don't know why. I think that. It, um, if New England can get a halfway decent physical on him, I think that is a possibility because um, I don't even know who New England's starting quarterback is currently. Um, uh, yeah, that's a damn, that's a damn good question. Stidham. Stidham, thank you. Oh, yeah, former Auburn Stidham. quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Former Auburn quarterback, okay. I mean, well, Baylor by way of Auburn. Didn't he just beat Alabama like two years ago too? Was he the quarterback to beat them in the uh, – to keep Bama out of the, the college football playoff? What, wouldn't that be ironic? The 2020 draft. Three what? years ago, I want to say, wasn't he the quarterback that beat Bama to keep them out of the CF? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And wouldn't that be ironic if uh, if Cam went to New England and, and took over where Stidham – might have been a quarterback. Um, might have been the star. One Auburn quarterback for another. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, if it's not Cam, it's a um, a certain player that I'm sure we'll discuss um, here shortly. That is also that is heavily being linked to New England uh, well, after his recent release. Well, let's. Well, we might as well touch the elephant in the room because Brandon kind of brought it up without actually saying it. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals released Andy Dalton uh, yesterday. Yesterday being Wednesday, we're recording on Thursday night, and rumors are Dalton's got interest from several teams here. I've heard Chicago might take a swing as well. It's hard to Chicago just signed um, Bowles. Yeah, but can you trust Nick Foles to stay healthy? I mean, he would basically be just the backup right now. I don't. I haven't been hearing anything saying that they're losing faith in Trubisky. I not officially no. Unofficially, they are. And again, Dalton was the one who was talking about that would go to New England to begin with. That's true. Um, I'm 100 percent hearing that they're losing faith in Trubisky and the fact that they're not going to pick up his fifth year option in Chicago. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We got a couple of other things to discuss here, so we may as well get to it. Uh, Eric, rounds four through seven for Jacksonville. Take us through. Well, on this year's episode of what Pac-12 quarterback did the Jags pick in the sixth round? Um, I was a little bit confused because... I get what the whole situation about, oh, potentially tanking for Trevor, which would it really be tanking if we're really that inept, argument aside. I get the whole situation about wanting to see what Minshew can really do, especially under a new system. Well, why would you get Luton out of 
all places Oregon State trash onto more trash. Trash in, trash out. I don't understand this. It's the new Jaguar way. Jason, your thoughts on anything uh, Jacksonville related from this draft? Um, no. Uh, I defer to Eric anything Jacksonville. I defer, defer to Eric on his expert opinion because uh, after our plans got ruined, I, I, I kind of quit caring about Jacksonville and since you know they broke my heart and the the corona corona kept kept us away from joining the stadium. So yeah, I just really don't care about Jacksonville right now. Jaguars going to Jaguars? We did not break your heart. The coronavirus broke your heart. Well, it, well, I could, I was still going to come toward the stadium, but they told me no. It was a private. It was going to be. It was going to be two people walking around the stadium. Well, three, counting our guide. We could have stayed six feet apart to, toward the stadium. Yeah, but the stadium and all the other facilities are closed, which, mm, given parts of downtown, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> we could have said it was essential. We could have said like you as a Make a Wish kid. Why would I have to? Do- because I'm older. Uh, what was this about trying to get a sponsorship? Well, I mean, still, I mean, we could have. I mean, still, we're, we're still. <laughs> the views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily son of a bitch. They do. Yeah, they do now. No, but I'm just saying that. I mean, you know, we could have used. We could have tried some angle like it. You know, or we could have said that I like had some rare form of some rare disease that, and it was my dying wish or something. Let's move on before this goes any further off the rails, please. Bisco, do you have any thoughts about Pac-12 quarterbacks going to Jacksonville? I mean, it's their mo. Jaguars are going to Jaguars. That's all I gotta say to that. Oh, it used to be Browns are going to Brown. There are certain the teams Browns that it's just. It seems there like Browns, a- Jaguars, and Jets, and you could probably throw in the Raiders in there. They're just going to do what they're going to do, and they just don't care. I pity the fool who doesn't trust Al Davis, even though he's dead. <laughs> um, Jason, your thoughts on the New York Giants picks from round four forward? I, I was actually kind of pleased. I mean, um, we we – address just about every hole that we had going into the draft that we needed either depth or some use at. I mean, we took uh, quite a few offensive linemen. Uh, we took three straight linebackers um, in round six through eight. Uh, we took a an amazing hell of a uh, safety in round two and then turned around and got a um, nice cornerback in uh, round nine, to, you know, just to give us a little bit more depth. But primarily, I was really happy with our overall draft uh, because we had to sure up that offensive line uh, to give Daniel Jones time to throw and open up some holes for uh, Saquon. So I really can't say anything negative on the Giants' uh, drafting strategy this year. Uh, I did notice that we did not take a single skill position this year which really surprised me. I, I didn't realize that until I kind of went back and looked at the recap. I thought we might have grabbed some 
late round flyer at a skilled position, but nope, offensive lineman, uh, defensive back, and linebackers is all we drafted. Speaking of linebackers, uh, Brandon had a question about one of the Giants draft picks. Yeah, I'll I'll defer to you, Harry, since you're the uh, not only are you the Florida man, you're also the Penn State guy. So you know. Uh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa! First of all, Eric is Florida man on this show. Enough. Let's get that straight first and foremost. Okay, you're, you're the gate. You're the Gator man. That that's that's a little bit better. I'm like this show, Steve Irwin. Yes. Um, but you're also the Penn State guy instead of a crocodile hunter. Yes, but you're also a Nittany Lion guy. So, uh, and the Giants picked one Cam Brown, uh, in the fifth or in the sixth round, rather. Uh, I have. So go ahead. Two simple words to say to that. Okay. Linebacker, you. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Okay. So that's a that's a good sign for the Giants and. Yeah, I mean, the only thing they'll add on to with uh, what Jason said was, I think the reason why the Giants didn't pick any skill positions is the only skill position that they really need any sort of help in is the wide receiving core, and that, you know, you can theoretically pick some guys up through free agency, or if you really needed someone, you could try to trade. Uh, but they really needed help in the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what they did in the draft. So I'm very happy with how they drafted. And I think they have the opportunity. I don't know how, you know, I don't think they're going to have a huge turnaround. But I think they'll be much closer to the middle of the pack this year instead of being down near the bottom. I have a couple of different thoughts about the Buffalo draft. Um, we already talked about AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. One of those jacked Iowa guys that's going to probably take over for Harrison Phillips on the defensive line for us. We already talked about Zach Moss running back out of Utah last week. Cause we actually went on the air with our show last week, right? As Buffalo was making its selection, which I, which we intentionally timed up that way just so that way we could open the show with, and the Buffalo bills are on the clock. Um, couple of questionable picks, I think in, in the, uh, in the later rounds for the bills though, two wide receivers, which when you already have people like Cole Beasley, John Brown, and having traded for Stefan Diggs in the off season, wide receiver wasn't really a position of need in Buffalo this year. It probably puts Robert Foster as the odd man out unfortunate because in 2018 he had a really good season but suffered a pretty steep decline last year i think he only caught like four passes last year there are two other picks from buffalo though that need to be discussed (laughs) so you guys took a quarterback in the sixth round eric Mm -hmm. we went up to you we took one in the fourth yeah but see here's the thing like a good neighbor Jake Fromm was there. And Billy Bean, basically, or not Billy Bean, Brandon Bean, excuse me, I accidentally gave our general manager to the, to the Oakland Athletics instead of Brandon. Brandon Bean, Brandon Bean went on the record and said that he could not in good conscience pass up on Jake Fromm at that spot there in order to pick him for Buffalo. Hypothetically, yes. 
but theoretically, in my opinion, it's a bad idea. And the reason I say that is it's going to put added pressure on Josh Allen this year because there are going to be that there's going to be a part of the fan base that's going to see that if Allen has one or two bad games, and we've seen it happen in other places, they're going to call mm-hmm. for Jake Fraw. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you, Harry. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know. You follow them a lot more than I do. Josh Allen may be one of those types of guys that is better when he has that pressure and that uncertainty behind him. Uh, So they may be trying to put that thought into his head of, you know, this isn't a guarantee. You need to start producing more. He's played very well for them thus far. So I, I don't see them having a super short leash with him. But I do think they're basically saying, you know, we want to get to that next level. And if you're not going to be the guy, then we're clearly set to move on. And in terms of the wide receiver picks, real quick, I think the thought is, especially since, uh, you know, they they don't really have any huge positional issues to fill. I think their thought was, yes, we have a great, yes, we have a great wide receiving core right now. But what if a cu- one or two of them got gets injured, like what happened to the Giants a couple of years ago? All right, I'm going to discuss two of your points here in a second, but I'm going to let Eric speak first because Eric had something to say. Well, my thing is because I'm kind of going to disagree as far as mainly with the issue with quarterback. I do think that this may see a more sharper, more willing to get rid of those rough edges, Josh Allen. But at the same time, and I'm sure, Harry, you will agree, as we've talked about it almost ad nauseum on the show, you've had issues with backup backup quarterbacks when they've had to come into the game. And I can go all the way back, well, recently back, as far as with the whole between Tyrod Taylor and E.J. Manuel, lest we forget the Intercepticon himself, so... It's good that you got someone young rather than going for a veteran, even though you had decent success with some veterans. So I get that philosophy from that sense. Okay, one, if I've contributed nothing else to society, at least I know that Intercepticon will live on long after I'm gone. (laughs) Number two, Jake Fromm was a fifth-round pick for Buffalo, not fourth, my mistake. Fourth-round pick for Buffalo was Gabriel Davis, wide receiver out of Central Florida. Number three, honestly, Fromm's probably going to be battling for third string this year at best because I would think that Matt Barkley, who has another year left on his contract, is going to be the go-to backup for Buffalo. And Barkley played more than serviceable when Allen got injured last year. He had a one-on-one record as a starter. True. Mm-hmm. So if anything, what this probably does is it numbers the days of Davis Webb in Buffalo. Yeah, the well. California graduate. All right. The other thing that I wanted to discuss for Buffalo is the fact that, well, apparently um, Josh Allen wasn't the only skill player put on notice in this draft towards the end. Because Buffalo selected kicker Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern in the sixth round. Hmm. Why is this relevant? Well, I will tell you, because ESPN has been blowing up my phone with notifications of this guy hitting 50-yard field goals standing still. Uh Uh-oh. 
Uh oh. Dun dun dun. Dramatic reverb. <laughs> Apparently, this kid has a cannon for a leg. You guys, you guys have listened to the show for a long time. No, I am a big fan of House Money. I'm a huge proponent of Stephen Hauska. But if this dude can bury from fifty standing still, Hauska could be in trouble because his days of prime, his days of prime accuracy are behind him. I mean, how old is Hauska now? He's been in the league for a Mid-30s. while. Mid thirties, I think. Yeah, so. Even if it's not necessarily right away, this is definitely a pick saying, yeah, we're going to move on from Hauschka and have someone. Like you mentioned, Harry, Hauschka didn't have the greatest of seasons last year. So if he has a couple of off games, they have that guy right there that they can quickly toss in and say, we're giving you the ball Go run with it. Steven Hauschka is four months younger than I am. He is 34, about to be 35. Just whatever you do, don't return the favor for Mike Hollis. Don't. Send him elsewhere if you're done with him. I don't mind Hauschka. I think Hauschka's hit a series of big kicks in Buffalo's history. Mm. So his place in Buffalo's history is assured. I mean, he's not Steve Christie or anything, but he's up there as far as our better yeah. kickers go. I mean, as we've seen, but as we've seen with other kickers, other uh, bigger name kickers, the most glaring example is Adam Vinatieri in New England. A lot of teams, if if you have one mediocre season, a lot of teams are very willing to move on. That's fair. Jason, your thoughts on everything in regards to the kick, the kicker's carousel that's going on up in Buffalo right now. Do you think this is the end of house money up in Buffalo? I think I think he's got one more year. I think they're grooming um grooming his replacement. I think um, I Yeah, I think they're um he's got one more year. If he produces this year up to his capability then you know he can he can extend that longevity, but I honestly think that it's going to be one of those um, foreseeable, you know, writing on the wall type deals uh, that they're wanting to go with that nucleus being so young. They're wanting to go younger, and also what's great about drafting a younger kicker that can produce is it helps you out a lot on salary cap uh, when it comes down to money-wise. So you can uh, target uh, other uh, glaring holes in your in your team uh, to sign free agents in the offseason. I think another thing... I think another thing real quick is that uh, they're hoping, at least, and I think Hauschka will do it, they're going to have Hauschka teach him how to handle the pressure in the NFL and be able to make those big kicks when it matters most. I just looked up on Google for Hauschka's contract, and he is actually entering the final year of his deal this season. So so they're probably going to use Hauschka this year unless he had some huge like hiccups. Like a monster year, yeah. yeah. And then Tyler ready. Yeah, and they're also going to use Hauschka as a way to get him ready for next year. 
That would make sense. Uh, other players that we wanted to discuss from rounds four forward that didn't fall to any of our respective teams. Jason, I know you had one that you wanted to talk about because he has kind of a hometown tie-in and might have been the most controversial pick of the draft. Yeah, um, the kid out of Marshall who uh, who has now learned to um, that he has a lovely uh, tattoo that he got when he was 18. Um who uh, he was the first kicker taken, wasn't he? I believe so. Uh, yeah, pick number uh, one hundred, pick number one hundred and fifty-nine to New England in a trade from Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, Justin. I'm not even going to try to row. <laughs> I would say row Wasser. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's a local kid here out of uh, Marshall who has uh, risen to fame, even you guys even let me know before we came on, because I haven't even been, it works being crazy and everything, so I haven't even got to see the story until you guys brought it up, who has a uh, got a tattoo when he was 18 years old, and uh, come to find out that it was a really racially insensitive tattoo, and that he is going to cover up, going to be covering up very soon once this uh, pandemic is over. But uh, I thought it was a real surprise that he was uh, one of the first, well, was the first kicker to go off the board because, yeah, he had a, he has a strong leg, but I don't think that he was the best kicker coming out in the draft. You know, we talked about the one for Buffalo, Tyler Bass. We talked about Roarwasser, but here's the thing. We talked about one kicker in particular in our draft preview, and it's the best kicker in college football the last four seasons, George's Rodrigo Blankenship, who did not get drafted. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. Total curse of the Aguayo right there. Total curse of the Aguayo. I felt bad for the kid because I saw what he was capable of in college. I mean, we played Georgia four times as a Florida fan, so Blankenship did more than his fair share of numbers on Florida over the course of his four seasons. Uh, a couple of other names to t- talk about here as well. Um so we know that Indianapolis got their quarterback of the present this offseason when they signed Phillip Rivers. Uh, apparently, they've signed their quarterback of the future as well, as they have drafted Jacob Eason out of Washington. Eric, we kind of talked about Eason when we were discussing the two the two Apple Cup quarterbacks that were in this particular draft here. And you seemed a little bit higher on the Washington State quarterback than you were on Eason. Do you think that this benefits Eason going to a situation where he can learn under a veteran like Philip Rivers? Honestly, I really do. Knowing that, number one, the team is really in this kind of temporary rebuild slash recovering from the Andrew Luck retirement, the pressure is really going to be off, especially since the AFC South, I don't care what you say, is still going to be wide, wide open these next couple years. So the fact that he can come in, kind of shake everything that happened at Washington after what had happened in Georgia and be like, okay, I don't have to be the man. I can just sit, pick Philip Rivers' brain all I can, maybe come in towards the end of the season and then really show that what happened, not just in the Pacific Northwest, but you're going to see more of what happened right there in Athens and that that just wasn't any kind of fluke. So 
Very good choice by Indy, and I think Easton's going to be better for it. Jason, your thoughts on Jacob Easton landing under the Phillip Rivers learning tree? Yeah, I think that was probably one of the best-case scenarios for him. Uh, Rivers still has a little bit of gas left in the tank, but he is very, very intelligent when it comes to uh, reading defenses and everything. Uh, So I think that a mentorship from Rivers will be a huge benefit. Um, Kind of what what may have transpired, even though that uh, Daniel Jones did take over for Eli, but Eli was on the line, uh, on the sideline, helping, and in the film room, helping him, mentor him. Of, uh, you know, just wasn't in the game, and he was, and Jones wasn't handling, handling the clipboard. But I think um, Rivers' uh, game decision and uh, intelligence on the field will be a huge benefit uh, for that young man going forward. Brandon, your thoughts on the Jacob Eason to Indianapolis decision? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a pick of, you know, we don't know how long Rivers has left. Um, You know, and Rivers, in in spite of the fact that he's never really done much in the playoffs, he's still been a pretty good quarterback in the NFL throughout his uh, tenure, throughout his 15 years. Uh, so he's a guy that you can certainly sit behind and, and watch and be mentored by. So it's a good pick for the Colts, uh, to get him to sit behind, uh, Rivers for a cup, you know, for maybe a year or two. And at least this time when they've drafted a quarterback, granted, this wasn't as high profile as Andrew Luck, but now they have the opportunity to let him sit for a year or two, learn the system, learn how to play in the NFL, and maybe he won't uh, be as injury-prone as Andrew Luck was. Eric, anybody in particular that went rounds four through seven that you want to discuss? I forget where he went to, but I know that during the draft, you were saying oh so much about oh how Miami players didn't get drafted and this and that and all of your fancy Gators and Nittany Lions who Goodell butchered their names went first but I was finally glad to see Shaq Quarterman go because uh Shaquille Quarterman Shaquille Quarterman went 140th to Jacksonville hmm well, there goes that level of optimism. <laughs> oh, God. Fun you fact. Know, actually, just... just real quick, fun fact. You actually had another You had another uh, Hurricane player selected five picks later as well. DJ Dallas went to Seattle. Now, DJ Dallas I was very glad about because, again, with Seattle's schemes and how he could fit well in getting – at the very least, an extra safety net for Russell Wilson when he's running around. That was, I was very excited for. Now, I don't know how far up the depth chart he's going to be, but considering the recent history with Seattle running back injuries, I think he's going to have a chance to really put his stamp on in that backfield. If only just... I asked for competence, yet I received nothing. 
why couldn't the cons be as well in sorting out everything in our front office for the draft as they are blasting players who want to be traded on Twitter? I don't get can Can, can that be swapped somehow? I'm afraid not. So, Jason, you know how we were talking XFL this year? Uh, well, we was. Right? Before that went down the, that that went down the the pooper real quick. Well, I got a plan. <laughs> the XFL player that was eligible for this draft, the former West Virginia Mountaineer Kenny Robinson, went in round five to Carolina. Did get he got drafted in the fifth? Yes, and one pick behind him was his teammate Colton McKivitz, lineman. Uh, yeah. And what's even more ironic is the uh, he got drafted out of the XFL because he got uh, caught cheating while at West Virginia and kicked off the team. Caught cheating on an exam? Yes, and well, he was he was booted from campus. Well, if there's one thing we've learned in the NFL, cheating is rewarded there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, hello, Bill Belichick. Uh, Brandon, anybody in particular from rounds four through seven that you want to discuss? Uh, I have one other name that I want to that I want to talk that I'm going to save him for last. No one from rounds four through seven, but there is one guy that I didn't mention last week uh, that went in the middle of round three that I just wanted to mention real quick. Uh, Oakland drafted two wide receivers back to back in the middle of round three, and the second of those was one Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, who's also uh, from Conway, right down the road. And uh, he, I, I think we'll, we'll see where he is in the depth chart, because the the Oak Vegasland Raiders, <laughs> uh, they, have, they have a lot of wide receivers now, so uh, we'll see what happens there with that. I'm half stupid over here. I'm looking for Oakland making a selection. Like, where the hell is he talking? And then I realized Las Vegas, genius. Yes, yes. I, I fixed it. I said Oak Vegas land. I, I'm well, still going to call them Lo- Oakland for a while. Uh, I mean, I still call the Rams St. Louis. Exactly. I got to talk. Um, and the Chargers San Diego. Though, one of those, technically speaking, though, one of those selections at wide receiver, Brandon's got the Rona. One of the selections at wide receiver, Lynn Bowden's actually going to be moving to running back in the NFL. Yeah, so, you know, the only real wide receiver pick out of those was Edwards. Uh, a couple of Gators I want to send quick congratulations to and thank you for their careers. Jabari Zuniga, who we briefly discussed on the show last week, went to the Jets. I'm sorry that you went to the Jets. I wish you well. And Have fun losing. Wide- and then wide receivers Freddie Swain, who was a seventh round pick, or excuse me, a sixth round pick, and Tyree Cleveland, who was a seventh round pick. Florida wide receivers tend to not do so well in the NFL, though. So I wish them both the best. I hope that they can break the Gator curse when it comes to wide receivers in the NFL. But I don't exactly have high hopes for them. Florida doesn't the really have. Back. Florida doesn't really have that one position, like you were saying, linebacker. You for Running Penn back. State. Yeah. I mean, we have the all-time NFL leading rusher, so. True. Fred Taylor, thank you very much. Isn't 
isn't Taylor in the top ten as well? I believe he is still. Because I know Emmett still. is still number. I know Emmett's still number one. So and he's a he's a Florida Gator grad. <laughs> All right. So back to the other player that I did want to discuss from rounds four through seven that we didn't talk about here. One of the biggest games that we talk about every year on this show, and the one game that we hold in the most reverence on this show is Army Navy. And the one young man who has been tearing up Army Navy for the last four years has been the quarterback for Navy, Malcolm Perry, who helped Navy defeat Army this year for the first time in three years after having the the 17, 18-year winning streak snapped, I think it was. Something like 17 or 18 years. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it was 18. Yeah, I think Eric's correct. I think. So Perry extended it when he was a freshman, lost as a sophomore and a junior, and then got it back as a senior. Malcolm Perry will not play quarterback in the NFL. I can absolutely guarantee that. However, Malcolm Perry is going to try to make the Miami Dolphins as a running back. As somebody who has no real dog in this fight, I, you guys know as a Bills fan, I'm not going to be especially caring about the Dolphins. A salute to Malcolm Perry, and I absolutely wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for yeah. your service, and good luck. I forget how that works with... Uh... They can try to play in the NFL. If they can play in the NFL, if they make a roster, they are let out of their enlistment. Oh, okay. Yep. That's been a rule because that was a thing even with Keenan Reynolds when he was drafted by Baltimore. They were like, well, if he can make it in the NFL, then he shouldn't have to go to his mandatory enlistment. So that was a thing. But I don't know. I wouldn't say this season, but if I were you, Harry, I would be caring about those Dolphins down the road. They've got something cooking down there in Miami. And boy, it smells delicious. I'm not going to say that the Dolphins are the biggest doormat in the East. That's clearly the Jets this season. Mm-hmm. True. But, I mean, we also have to take into consideration, but, do we even know whether Tua is going to play this year? Well, even if he doesn't, don't they still have Fitzpatrick? That's true. Yeah, yeah they're going to Fitzpatrick and have uh, Tua said, sit out this year. I mean, don't if they still anything... Have I was going to say, yeah. if anything, Tua's draft, drafting probably means that Rosen's looking for his third team in three years. Correct. There, it's going to be very interesting this season uh, because there are a lot of quarterbacks out there who either don't have a job at all or could very well get cut who could be serviceable. Definitely looking at a very interesting training camp, whatever we get of training camp. This well, year. that makes it even more interesting. Absolutely. Jason, what team do you think did the best in this draft? I'm going to actually have to say the Bengals. I mean, uh, they filled a lot of key positions. They uh, Their second-round pick was a utter steal. Um, they got their franchise quarterback, uh, I really liked the way the Bengals did. Uh, I loved what the Giants done. Um, so I mean, those are going to be personally two of my top two two of my top teams. I know one of them is a homer, but uh, I was really happy with the way Gettleman ran that draft and you know got depth at uh, and got depth and youth at key positions for us going forward. 
Brandon, who do you think had the best draft once you're done dealing with the Rona? Um, I think overall, if we're just looking at the draft, I think I'd have to agree with Jason that the Bengals did the best overall of building a core around which that they can build and, and get better. But in terms of a team that really built their their stock and really got good pieces that can help them get to that next level, I think I got to go with the Ravens. I mean, they got a couple of great uh, wide receivers later on in the draft that can fill some voids and, and give uh, Lamar Jackson more options, along with some good offensive linemen that can help protect him better and give him more time. Uh, so I think that that team that was already dynamic has just gotten a little bit better and that could help them make that final jump to get that playoff win this season. I said what I said last week, and I'm going to repeat it because I stand behind it. I do think the J.K. Dobbins pick by Baltimore was a mistake. Eric, what team do you think did the best in this draft? Well, I looked at my eyes on two teams that are really trying to build. One that's been building from scratch the past couple of years and one that's kind of rebuilding this year. While I do think the Bengals addressed what they need going forward, I'm sticking to the Dolphins overall did the best this draft simply because they even decided going into this draft, all right, we need to hit the ground running in 2021. So what do they do? You get a franchise quarterback. You get a guy to help protect that franchise quarterback. You get various skill positions, but you also get a lot of depth. And you go ahead and use your trades and everything to get solid, solid pieces both sides of the ball. I really have got to commend them for, of all times where you could have screwed this up, they really hit it out of the park. And with the Bengals in their building... I'm putting them second because it's like, okay, we're transitioning. Even though we're not quite in that best position, we've got something that's going to please the fans, but we've also got something that's going to help continue to get a very good product. Now, will the Bengals help with that mentality to have a great winning product? Time will tell. I have two teams as well. The first of which is a team that maybe flew under the radar, but in my opinion had one of the better drafts, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because they addressed several need positions. They got another weapon for Ben in Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. They got a couple of linebackers to help fill the void. They're an already impressive line an already impressive linebacker core that they have. And they picked up off a couple offensive linemen as well after losing two in free agency this past year. The other team that I'm going to give an honorary mention to is the Denver Broncos, who I think significantly upgraded their weapons packages for Locke, um, Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri that's their Mm -hmm. starter now that they've cut Joe Flacco. I think that getting Jerry Judy as late in the first round as they got him is an absolute steal, because I think Jerry Judy's the best wide receiver in this class. And there's no question in my mind of that. Oh no! I think he. I think he's. 
he's definitely the top receiver. I thought he would go way, way, way sooner. I thought he was going to be one of the top five picks. He fell all the way to 15 for Denver. Yeah, I know. And, and well, and, and Denver was talking about trading up, you know, trying to trade up into the top within the top 10 to grab him. And then he kept falling and falling. So Elway didn't pull the trigger and it still worked out. And he still got his guy. In addition to that, I mentioned to one of the other players later, I think Tyree Cleveland could be a good special teams player for them because Cleveland has speed. He showed that at Florida. He has good hands, so he would be a good guy for the hands team. And he's got a lot of heart, too, because he missed significant time due to injury last year and kept fighting back to get back onto the field. So I think Tyree Cleveland's going to be one of those late-round picks that's going to end up being a steal for Denver. Cleveland whiffed on that one. I mean, it's Cleveland. Jason, let's go to the opposite side here. Who do you think had the worst draft? Uh, by far, the the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think I think we can all agree that the uh, Jordan Love pick was way out of left field. So much that um, even the kid in the background made sure that everybody knew that he had no say so in the pick. If you've seen the uh, if you've seen the meme I on did. that one. Uh, the little kid has his hands raised up in the air like wasn't me yeah so uh, I I think that that was that was with such a deep uh, wide receiver class and them needing somebody to uh, complement that offense and be a, a wide receiver too in that offense I think them whiffing and taking a quarterback, I mean, yeah, I think I I was, for lack of better words, I was in love with love in this draft. I said it here that he was probably, he was my most pro-ready quarterback. Um, and I, I was really looking for him to go to Dallas. Um, but when Green Bay snatched him up as early as they did, I mean, it left a lot of people scratching their head and kind of wondering what's, if there's something going on behind the scenes that nobody's um, seen the light of yet, and now questions are arising to see what Rogers' future in Green Bay looks like. I mean, even Brett Favre came out and said, you know, demand a trade. I'm going to throw five names at you here, Jason. You ready? All right. I'll see if I can pronounce them. <laughs> Chase Claypool, who we've discussed several times with Pittsburgh. LaVisca Chenault in Jacksonville. Denzel Mims out of Baylor. I do not remember which school he went, which team he went to. Van Jefferson out of Florida. And T. Higgins, who went to Cincinnati at the start of the second round. You know what all five of those wide receivers have in common? They got drafted after. They all went after uh, Love? They all five went in the second round after Jordan Love was picked with pick 26 by Green Bay. So instead of getting Rodgers a weapon that he needed, you got who you think is his heir apparent. Here's the so other show dividends for at least two years. Here's the other thing too about that pick. How many quarterbacks went between when the Packers drafted Love and the ne- and the Packers next pick? Um. Well, the Packers' next pick. One. One. That's it. There weren't many other teams that were going to draft a quarterback that high in the draft. 
And the Packers probably shouldn't have been either. Theoretically, theoretically, they could have gotten love at their second round pick if not trading up slightly to get him in the second round. The only quarterback that went between Green Bay's first round pick and then their second round pick was Jalen Hurts to Philadelphia, and that's a can of worms of its own for this conversation. Yeah, so, yeah. I think we can all agree that the Packers were had the worst draft. I personal. Go ahead, Harry. I was gonna say I I think they're up there. I don't know if they're a runaway worst because I think Philadelphia taking Jalen Hurts is pretty freaking stupid. Mm-hmm. But to be yeah, fair, I get to... go ahead, Jay or go ahead, Eric. I think that I can get why Philadelphia got. Hurts simply because of Wentz and his injuries. I get that. Realize yeah, I, I, real quick, Eric, you realize their depth chart now says Wentz hurts, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was just gonna say right there. I was just gonna say it's they drafted Hurts because Wentz gets hurt. <laughs> Continue your thought, Eric. But with the Green Bay Packers, they are playing a very, very dangerous game. We can see what Matt LaFleur will want to do on offense. I get if you look at how their season ended, how they were pushed around by San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, why everybody's looking at Kyle Shanahan and that method in the NFC of being a power-running team. I get that. But at the same time, you know how Rodgers is. You've known how he is and how much of a diva he has been and how much he could really sow discontent in that locker room. He's saying all the right things publicly as far as what's going on in introducing Jordan Love especially after what happened with him coming into the team with Brett Favre. I get that. But at the same time, you could have waited to pull this trigger. You know you're still going to be dealing with Aaron Rodgers for the near future, especially since Newsflash gave him a massive contract. You're going to be stuck with him, not just this season, but next season as well. Don't you think, because you're not a free agent destination, you can only get drafts like but so much, with this record, 36 wide receivers taken, try to get one for now to at least appease him and say, yes, we understand, we were 13-3, and got within a game of the Super Bowl, let's get you something to go over the top, get over that hump, then when we get rid of you, then we can go ahead and make that transition. They they just did this too soon, and I have a feeling it's going to backfire. Really backfire. Um, Jason, one more thing real quick here. Roarwasser yes. was... Rohrwasser was not the only Marshall player selected. Chris Jackson's safety went to Tennessee in the sixth round. Um, 
I don't know much on him. Um, and him going to Tennessee probably won't know much on him. Uh, but uh, like I said, I mean, um, it's always good to see a Marshall or WU player um, go and make make that. Um, I'm not going to drop the little tidbit of, of since joining the Big 12. Um, West Virginia has uh, one of the the is currently now they're tied for the top 15 um, most top 15 picks in the NFL draft since joining the big 12. You know, we won't talk about that. Um, but uh, uh, Real quick, real quick. You're not tied. You guys still have the outright lead. CD uh, went 17th. I thought we, I thought somebody went and we didn't. Nope. We didn't get nope. to um, Hi- highest Highest player picked from the Big Twelve this year was CD Lamb at seventeen. Okay, cool. I guess I guess we still do have the leave, so there's that. Uh, like I said, I mean it's it's all about getting the um, getting the best best uh, best for the local universities and the teams I do follow. All right, so that's going to pretty much wrap up our coverage of the 2020 draft. However, it has been brought to my attention that I actually forgot a big news story. And I was going to read off the headline, but unfortunately, Jameis Winston had it intercepted on his way to giving it to me. (laughs) And uh, apparently, he's now New Orleans' problem. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> New Orleans? Why? Hey, hey, because he has thrown more passes to New Orleans players than Taysom <laughs> Hill has. I like it. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's funny. To to be fair to him, that's funny. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But to be <laughs> fair, to to be fair to him. A lot of people probably said similar things to Drew, about Drew Brees when he went to New Orleans. And we see how that went. So, sitting well, behind Brees... He's got a raw deal in, Los, in San Diego. True. And not just San Diego, but remember, he was going to be in Miami. Nick Saban wanted him in Miami. The team doctor said no. Mm-hmm. Boy, if I'm Saban, I would have punched them square in the mouth. <laughs> Well, they talked about that on the ESPN coverage too, yeah. and said that that's that might be why they took their chances with Tagovailoa this year. Yeah, and Saban was the yeah Saban was even saying as much that like he was disappointed that they they blew it with Breeze. But yeah, I mean, I think if he sits behind Breeze for a year or two or whatever it's going to be, and he's able to learn how to control the tempo. And control himself better. I think he could be... You know, now do I think he'll become a superstar quarterback? Probably not. But do I think he'll be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL again? Yeah, I think he will. I mean, he is the NFL's only all-time member of the 30-30 club. (laughs) And he even got LASIK surgery, so maybe he can see the colors (laughs) better. Um, I forget who it was, but one of my friends posted on Facebook that they're not a fan of the NFL draft, and they said if they wanted to see 30 picks in three hours, they'd just watch a Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. I posted that. <laughs> I don't know if it was – I don't know if it was you saying it when I posted it, 
but I put I seen it and posted it as well. I was dying. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, uh, I mm. think I think he he can he can do a lot in New Orleans once they um, move on from Breeze in four or five years. See, here's the question mm. though. When they move on from Breeze, will they move to Jameis Winston or will they move to Taysom Hill? Well, I think this is adding those options. And also, I think Taysom Hill kind of gives them more value as that be-all, end-all type of guy that they can stick anywhere. But here's the rub. Number one, it's not going to be four to five years. Uh, Drew Breeze is looking at that NBC money he's making. The fact that they've already got a plan for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Harry says like two years tops. Then he'll be broadcasting Notre Dame games as the analyst. Then working in the studio on Football Night in America. Then be the Sunday night football guy alongside Tariko when Al Michaels' contract is over. But beyond that, look at what Taysom Hill already got. The Saints just signed him to a pretty sizable extension for his contract. So I personally, while he is the ideal slash player, oh, Sean Payton and everybody is looking like, hey, he could definitely be the guy, especially since Bridgewater is gone, and we could use Winston as a backup role just in case. Or if we still need Taysom as those trick plays, Winston can at least do something. And I think it's also... Go ahead, Harry. I was just going to say, my guess is Winston's there in case Breeze gets hurt this year. Mm. And to help help bring along Taysom Hill to man, move him towards that starting quarterback role. I'll agree because with Taysom that. Hill has, Taysom Hill has almost Patrick Mahomes-like tendencies. He can run. He can throw. He can line up at any position on the offensive side of the field outside of linemen. Maybe tight end. Although he is a big boy. They make him big in Utah. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody that could line up anywhere on the line. He could have that trick element component. But even as a starting quarterback, he could still have that element there. It's more of a safety, a hedge your bets pick with Winston moving this to New Orleans this year in case either Breeze or Hill get injured. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think not just that, but especially with how small the contract is for Winston, it is very much of hey, it's not really hurting us. We're not really losing anything by picking up Winston. And if Breeze can teach him how to be a good quarterback, then we have two options and just let them battle it out to figure out who's the heir apparent. Jason, what do you think here? Do you think it would make more sense for them to stick with uh, Taysom Hill, or do you think they end up going the Jameis Winston route? I think they end up going the Winston route, um, especially. Uh, I think he'll one. Hill is a utility player. Uh, a, he can run a Wildcat offense uh, just like he does with Breeze. Uh, but I mean, if you throw Hill in with Winston, I mean that gives you a a hell of an offense to work with because you could you could do some tomfoolery. And uh, do a lateral pass, uh, lateral double pass, and 
Hill can just sling it and let uh, Michael Thomas run underneath it, like run a bubble screen and then have Hill just unleash a bomb downfield because Winston's arm isn't really that strong uh, compared to Hill. And plus you don't have to worry about, you know, a DB picking it off if Winston throws it. So, um, so that, and you know, a bubble, a bubble screens, uh, a like a lot less likely to get intercepted than uh, actually throwing into the defense. Yeah. I mean, I think, what what Jason said right there made me think of something. It would be very interesting. Now, Sean Payne doesn't exactly seem like the type that would do things like this, but having both of them there at the same time once Breeze does leave could theoretically open you up to basically run a mega wildcat offense where you could have either one of them play both quarterback and halfback at the same time and you could do so many trick plays with them that it would be very interesting to see that offense be run well yes and no depending on how long Winston stays because let's look at the contract here real quick before we move on I think it's like a year one yeah. year, one point one million dollars yeah. with incentives that could reach all the way up to four and a half million. The reports are, and I'm not sure if I buy this as legitimate or not. The reports are that Winston actually turned down more money from Pittsburgh in order to sign with New Orleans. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I find that hard to believe. Ditto. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I would potentially buy it is because he feels like he has a better chance in New England I mean, or New Orleans. Well, the the thing about him going to Pittsburgh that would have made sense to me is Ben's coming off of missing most of the season this past year. But I so feel you, like Pittsburgh has more faith than Mason Rudolph. I would hope that they don't have more faith than Mason Rudolph after this past season, True. but that's neither here nor there. Yes, Eric. No, I was going to say I mean even with Pittsburgh, you're behind Roethlisberger. You've got a pretty decent shot at a ring. Sorry, but the NFC South just became a little bit more mm. stacked. But then again, they didn't have faith in Mason Rudolph. Why do you think they stuck with Duck Hodges in the 21st century? True. Duck Hodges. <laughs> now I want to watch Duck Dodgers, you son bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Is that on Disney Plus? I'm gonna have to look and see if it is. Maybe. I, I know. I know Scrooge McDuck is. So mm-hmm. I watch a lot of Ducktales. I've been oh. watching a lot of Ducktales. <laughs> Ducktales. I, I I I need my uh Bur- burger Rothless Rothless burger back this year. Well, again, as we discussed it, it's on the show at the time. You did have Rudolph the Red Nose quarterback. I know this. Man, we're really hitting the classics hard tonight, aren't we? The classics and some of the deep cuts. (laughs) All of these shows are available in our archives, by the way, which you can find in a number of different places. Um, Jason, final thoughts on the way the 2020 NFL draft was held? I was was thoroughly impressed. I really liked it. Uh, I'm curious to see how they incorporate this virtual draft 
into an actual draft going forward. Um, you know, if you believe Goodell that Las Vegas got the 2020 draft two years in a row. Um, uh, yeah, so so that was that was that was an interesting tidbit. Uh, but I, I kind of liked it. Uh, like I said uh, last week, I would have really loved having the um, if they would have partnered with EA and mm-hmm. done the uh, done like uh, a virtual walk up, have like the had a, a motion capture of like certain uh, the first you know certain players getting the the virtual walk up with Goodell and doing the hug on on stage and the the whole uh, Jersey presentation. I thought that would have been really cool to see. Uh, maybe that's something they can do in the future. NFL, if you do this, I would expect patent rights uh, or, uh, you know, some tickets to a couple of games or something. I mean, just compensate me somehow for my idea. Um, Swag yeah, them up. Yeah, I mean, a free jersey here and there, a couple of tickets, box seats. You know, I, I'm... I'm taking over uh the world i mean you know i could get like uh 1.00001% ownership somewhere <laughs> like the giants just so let, you know, let me as an official head of sports at w2 network let me just say these ideas were copyright jason teasley 30th of april 2020 just remember that tomorrow it's going to be May. I was waiting for somebody to do that, but yeah, I mean, I was I was happy with I was happy with the draft. Uh, it far exceeded my expectations. Well, how about you guys? I liked Brandon, it. You're up next. Yeah, I mean, I'm I de- getting- yeah, I I definitely liked it. Um, I thought it definitely exceed. I don't know if it's it exceeded my expectations, but uh. I definitely thought that we would get a few more bugs and glitches than we did. Uh, so I was happily surprised about that. Um, I would have liked them to have a little... Like, some of the GMs and owners did have a lot of fun with it and and whatnot. But uh, I would have liked some of them to have a little more fun. I mean, obviously, certain GMs and owners and, and head coaches, you don't expect them to really have much fun, but outside of that, I, I was expecting more, you know, we got a good bit of family family interaction, but we, we need more dogs on the draft. I will say the best part about New England is Bill Belichick's dog. Mm-hmm. That was a yes. gorgeous husky. Uh, so, you know, all in all, I liked it. I do think, I do agree uh, that, you know, do the first round Maybe the second round live, uh, but then do the remainder of the draft uh, virtually. See, the only problem with that is having to split the teams into different crews, one to handle the live draft that's and one true. to handle the virtual yeah. draft. Yeah. And that can well, tax the resources. The only, the only way really around that is to do the live draft one weekend and then do the virtual draft the next. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they've been doing in some recent years with the different people announcing different picks for the live draft, so it can work. It can work. Eric, your thoughts on the overall 2020 NFL draft? Very, very smooth. Under betters, you're welcome. 
And aside from the excess of human tragedy stories, thank you very much, ESPN. Overall, they did a very good job of making it a very nice made-for-television event. Not just now when we need sports events like this, but even in general. Mm. The one thing I will... Just real quick here, Brandon. How was it that you praised it last week, Eric? Tragedy porn? (laughs) Tragedy porn. The the one thing I will say about the draft, um, and maybe it was because of the way it was done and not having fans and all of that, but, and Eric would probably know this better because he goes above and beyond looking stuff like this up, did it take longer this time around than it does in the past? I... I felt like night one was about the same length as it usually is. Oh, okay. A little after midnight. But I think nights two and three went faster than they usually do. Okay, yeah. No, I was more so talking about night one with the first round. It seemed to me, and maybe no, it was a... maybe it was also because we were trying to do a show, and, and as a result, you know, we were hoping it would go faster. But, um, but it seemed like it, it dragged on a little bit. No, I'm pretty sure that night one went about as long as it usually does because I seem to remember watching at my buddy Tom's last year and not leaving his place until after midnight last year. We didn't get done with the first run until after midnight this year either. Hmm. We've lost Eric, I think. Yeah, it, he yeah, said he'll be right back. So maybe yeah, he'll, well, be he'll be able be... to answer my question. Maybe he'll know the answer when he comes back. Overall, I think that this concept could work in the future. However, I don't think that you want to take away the interactivity of the draft. Yeah, I think no. a lot of the NFL fans appreciate. Like um, I said, the, that that's why I think the best way, and, and I agree with you about the issue of how to have the teams there for the first part and then back at home for the second part. But... um. I would like it to where you get, you know, the first round or the first two rounds live, get the get the players to come up on stage and all of that, all the pomp and circumstance, but then also have the fun of the remote draft for the remainder of it. Well, as I was about to finish saying there, though, is I think that somebody that we worked with here on the kickoff before, Robert Foster of mm-hmm. Golden Point Sports, he was actually at last year's draft in Nashville. So I think that having it as digital as it is this year, you lose that connectivity mm-hmm. with the fan bases. You lose the opportunity to interact with the fans from the different teams, and you lose the chance to have the different con- convergence of teams, of fans of all 32 teams there. I mean, for the digital draft, they had a hard time filling a couple of the teams up for the digital picks towards the, the end of the second and the third round. Uh, we, we were talking about this last week. I think they found like seven or eight Bears fans and had to put up a bunch of logos. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I think I think the connectivity with the fan, fans uh, was uh, something that lacked. But like I said, I, th- I, liked it, uh, I liked it a lot better. I wasn't a... F- I wasn't privy to the the digital fans, you know, being up because, like, like we've discussed before, there's not a lot of some teams can't even field 
fans to put up there. I mean, I would have gladly been up there for the Giants. Yeah, same here. If they if they would have if they would have hit me up, I would I would have took up a couple of screens in different outfits or something. I don't I wouldn't care. Uh, but I mean, I think I think had a way too offensive sign. They had me as a Jaguars fan. <laughs> old school gear, complete with the old logo that the car company sued with, and yeah. I would have made it a nightmare and been happy if I did. All right. Uh, Jason, where can people find you online? Uh, you can definitely uh, look me up here on Twitter. It is at TurkaGlue822. I'm actually being a little nicer, uh, people communicating with me there. Or um, you can shoot me at Instagram. Uh, Instagram is pretty boring. Uh, Twitter is where you... you um, can usually find me and get any fantasy football or NFL questions asked. Uh, speaking of which, there is a venture being discussed that we will be delving into um, in a couple weeks or a month, or a month or so, or whenever we decide football's what the football season holds, um, and talks with somebody about uh, doing another show. So that would be three shows that uh, will be on here. Uh, overseen here at the W2M Network. Uh, also, you can go to Facebook, look up W2M Network on Facebook, uh, give us a like, share, and follow on Facebook if you'd like, and um, that's just about everything I've got to cover, guys. All right, wait right there because we're going to discuss our plan for the next four shows once I finish having everybody give their socials. Brandon, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Bisco NMB Chiefs, and uh, they can find me on Facebook. Just look up my name, and we can talk sports. Uh, where else can people find you online right now, Brandon? Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, today was the first round of uh, the Live Sim Sports College Basketball Tournament. And uh, I called the Villanova-Northern Kentucky game, as well as the uh, C.N. Hall game uh, this afternoon. <laughs> yes, yes, of course I'm going to call the C.N. Hall game. And uh, not sure, I, I'm assuming I'll probably do the C.N. Hall game for the second round as well on Saturday. Uh, but we'll uh, uh, be sure to Spoiler stay tuned for that. Hey. Yeah, really? Spoiler um i mean they're the they're a three seed do you really expect them not to win yes happened before uh real quick shout out to live sim sports for bringing back march 2020 i'm looking forward to giving that a look see once we get off the air here doing this particular show watkins where can people find you online at squid sports head on twitter uh Send me a tweet. I have been doing a little bit more live tweeting of certain stuff lately, especially with these sim tournaments. Uh, if you're under willing to go, a uh, bit of a vetting Family process. Show. I was just going to say I have secondary Twitter and an Instagram account, but you can't just find me on there willy nilly. I got to let the public know somehow. But I'm also, if you want to talk something that's non-sports related, need any tutoring help or things like that, look for Eric Watkins on Facebook. You will see a cartoon picture of me, recliner, glass of wine, laundry, etc. 
you know the drill. And yes, my plugs are brought to you by the fine people at Rick's TNT LLC. Which, in case you're wondering, is him. It's mostly him. <laughs> and maybe I got mom... to get my plugs out somehow. <laughs> and maybe his mom is a secondary sponsor. Shout out to Mama Watkins. <laughs> uh, also, now that we're more of a family show, Eric, you are not allowed to discuss your willy or your nilly. <laughs> oh, but, but, but shenanigans in <laughs> next month. Oh, Black Irish. <laughs> you can find me online at H-E-B the Eagle on Twitter and Instagram. I'll admit that I barely use both of them. Harry Broadhurst on Facebook. Me and Eric are going to get a kickoff Facebook page set up for you guys soon so that way you can interact with all four of us at one place in the same time so that way we can talk sports with everybody that, through that setup there in addition to the wild world of recovery as it happens as well. So you can make sure you can find us on, um, on Facebook on the kickoff page once that actually comes to fruition. In addition, you can find the show many places, but we're going to specifically focus on mentioning the W2M website, which is W2Mnet.com because, well, Jason needs them hits, though. That's right. Got to make that money, dollar-dollar bill, yo. The only thing missing from that conversation was the chocolate starfish and a hot dog flavored water. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and now that I've officially dated myself with a 2000 Limp Biscuit reference, let's go ahead and discuss the plan going forward for the show here. All right. So we talked about this in theory over the course of the last couple of weeks. I am going to officially put it out there for everybody. So, gentlemen, do your work, do your prep work, and be ready for next week. We start with the North both AFC and NFC next week. So we're talking Raptors next week? We the North? No, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Last time I checked, uh, winter isn't coming just yet. <laughs> I'm going to punt him so hard. I'm going to kick him so hard his escort feels it. Hey, hey, the North remembers. Anywho, uh, real quick, though, um, we are going to be starting greatest of all teams next week, which is our view on the best offensive and defensive player to ever, ever play for every NFL franchise that is currently active, because we're not going back to like the Houston Colt 45. That's just not happening. Yeah, I mean, look, so I I do have a preference on that. Go ahead, Jason. I do have so would we be combining combining the Oilers with the um, Titans? Yes. Yes. Oilers would become the Titans since the Texans are their own team. Okay. Okay, that's what. Uh, is there any? Was there? And 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 which Browns team would we be? Uh, I would assume uh, both. Speaking, Cleveland retained the yeah. rights to the Browns when they moved to Baltimore. So Baltimore is its own separate franchise. Any and all Browns would be with the Browns. And the Colts, so, Baltimore Colts are included with Indy. Correct. Would become yes. the Colts, yes. So the Ravens so, would only be to their expansion. From 2000, what, 99? Oh, 96, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, end of the ninety, end of the ninety-five season, so started in ninety-six. 
Okay. So yeah, yeah. I just I just I'm just letting the guidelines no, be out there so so people do under so people do understand that where we're when we're talking especially when we talk talk the uh, Titans and we're throwing like you know former Oilers players in there that you know um, that they understand a certain quarterback perhaps and a certain running back. I think Eddie George was a Titan. He was. Because he played on that yeah, 2001 I team. That's that's not who I'm thinking of. Let me see here. Because I'm see, my my quarterback for Houston slash my quarterback for Houston slash Tennessee would not be the Tennessee quarterback. Yes, because my running one of my running backs would be considered a Houston Oilers, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, Earl like Campbell. Who yes. Yes. Earl Campbell. Can I? Say the jersey number. Well, Harry just said the name. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Mm. I, I said the name, Earl Campbell. <laughs> well, we're not going to get to the South for a couple of weeks anyways. Um, yeah. So for next week, just to give everybody the heads up, it will be the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Patriots. Wait, I thought you said we're doing the North to start off. Oh, that's the East. I'm slow. Sorry. Ignore me. At least you went from the right sport to just the wrong division. <laughs> okay, let's try progress. this again. Yeah, because I kind of wanted to do it news. North, east, west, south. Yep. So we're, we'll do Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago next week. Mm-hmm. Yes. I apologize for that. I got my divisions confused for a second. Ah. I, I would have thought you would have... You would have done it systematically went to east to west. Yeah, I thought about that, but I decided to do it news format just because of the way that it actually spells a word when you put it like that. <laughs> so we are calling it greatest of all teams, and it starts next week here on the kickoff. It will be episodes 2A through D, I guess technically. Yeah, because if we're doing that, the cardinal directions... Oh, boy. This episode numbering system. Yeah, you can tell when things are not normal in the world. <laughs> Technically speaking, episode 2D would be episode 7 for the season. Mm. But because of the fact that we're doing the tie-in episodes, everything's kind of running yep. together here. And then beyond that, hopefully by then we'll have a better idea of what's going on. Because that'll be like, what, beginning of June around that we'd be done? So Ish, by yeah. then... Hopefully, because I think, I don't know if we were going to do this officially, but, you know, then we were talking about, you know, doing an episode of what is to come and having our opinions on that. Yeah, by the time we wrap up, by the time we wrap up this, we should know where the NFL season stands and what to expect coming forward. That's what I was thinking, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Given the fact that it's going to take us four weeks to do our greatest of all teams, we should have a good idea of what's going on there in the, both the world of sports and the world of football specifically, given that we are a football-based podcast. And also, uh, any I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on any like major news stories as as when we do our lead-ins yeah, as they happen. to the, uh, to the uh, conversation of the greatest of all time. All right, so for Jason Teasley... Eric Watkins, and Brandon Biscoping. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. 
online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. I hear we're on Google Play, actually, so that's kind of cool. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And our new boss is a dick. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to The Kickoff on the W2M Network.